This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Pride of West London podcast. Countdown to the big game on Saturday in SW6. We were going to land ourselves in SW6 tonight, but we thought we mm, better not land ourselves in enemy territory, so we bypassed SW6 and we headed into town a little bit more. Found ourselves in Victoria on tour once again, and we found ourselves in a pub called, I think it's called the Jugged Hair. Is that right? This is a lovely pub just down the Vauxhall Bridge Road. Um, they've been very great to us. Offered us loads of beers. I've got my pint of uh, Oliver's pint here. And uh, it's going down very well. And I've got the, the boys in the house with me. Uh, Nick, you, you were very impressed with the jugged hair, weren't you? Yeah, I'm impressed I'm impressed with the jugged hair. Thing. The jugged hair. The jugged hair. That's what it's called. Because you take your hind legs, stick them in a jug... And you cook them, add a bit of wine, cook them up, there you have your jugged hair. That's what it is. Not jugged, jugged hair. You've got the, you've got the hair knowledge, haven't you? Uh, you come to me for cookery tips, I'll give them to you. We don't need cookery tips today, we need drinking tips and football tips, because we're going to be talking about Brentford today, and what's happening on Saturday against Fulham, what happened last weekend against MK Dons, what's happening in and around the club with managers and police and all sorts of malarkey. And I'm Billy Grant, and I've got my mates in the jugged here with me at Vauxhall Bridge Road. And Mr Dave Lane, what have you been up to this week? I've had a busy week, mate. I've had a busy week. Um, I'm looking forward to, obviously, the F word on, um, on Saturday. Um, and uh, I've just been perusing the club's website, and I've, I've got to pull them up on something, if I'm being honest with you. You know, well, you know, we always try and, you know, say when they do things right. But there's something on there today that I need to just like I need to just take them to task about. Yes. They're advertising second half season tickets. And what a stupid idea that is. Who just wants to watch the second half of a football game? <laughs> <laughs> That's true actually. I never thought of it like that. I mean, you know, I mean so the marketing department needs to get a grip. More, more, more time in the globe though. Or I'm still sort of getting a bit over jet lag. I think I might have had the longest journey to Griffin Park on Saturday. 
um, I took off for Leicester Atlanta at some point on Friday evening, um, into Heathrow and then straight to the game. And it was, um, yeah, well worth the effort. It was well worth the effort. You were, you were looking a little bit dazed when we saw you, to be quite honest with you. You obviously didn't know what sort of time zone you were in, did you? I, I didn't, and then I had to go and geek straight after. It was a bit, it was, yeah, a little bit of a... Sounds like, like you've had a very good uh, good life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does actually, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Easy life. Easy. That's right. So, and we've got Mr. Nick, Liberal Nick. This is not a Liberal Free Zone today. You're, you're welcome. Nick, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And what have you been up to? I've been enjoying my chunked hair. <laughs> <laughs> like a bit of hairy pie. Oh, <laughs> you know. I'm sticking my back legs in a pot, getting them boiled, you know, getting the food in ready for Saturday. You, know, you live a rock and roll life. I do indeed, absolutely. Yeah. And we've got to say welcome to the podcast for the very first time. He always pops up here and there, but he's always refused every time we've asked him to come back today. He couldn't turn it down because we actually got a taxi and threw him in the back of it, <laughs> tied him up and brought him down here to the bottle. And uh, Mr. Pums Kindle. The puns. How you doing? Good. I'm here to bring down the average age of the table. And if I'm honest, I'm slightly inebriated. <laughs> Unless that's uh, nothing new for us not here, actually. Certainly <laughs> nothing new for him. <laughs> so listen, right. We are looking forward to Saturday's game. But let's forget Saturday's game. Just last Saturday, there was a real... It's a real marker for Brentford. The flag was put in the sand. New manager Dean Smith came in. He said, hello, boys. I'm your new manager. I want you to go out and I want you to absolutely hammer this team here. MK Dons. They came up from Division 1 and they were half decent last season. They turned up on the pitch and we absolutely creamed the MK Dons on Saturday. And we've been discussing this between ourselves earlier because we were very happy. But let's just cast our mind back to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. Both the Brentford fans and the MK Dons fans. It's really it's still a big smile on my face. It's absolutely the most domineering I've ever seen us. I've never seen a game where the opposition, whether it's us or, 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 or them, where they haven't had five or ten minutes where they look like they, you know, they were on top. There was not five minutes in that whole game. Fantastic performance. We outplayed them in every, every area of the park. There were, there, were, there were two observations I'd have made about the Bolton game, and it's an easy place to see it on telly rather than Ealing Road Terrace. And one of them was that Swift didn't run back. And the other one was is that McCormack had a lot of passes go astray. And, you know, especially when you compare it to Tombs. And it was very interesting, those were the two changes. Ah, so your conspiracy theory is saying that there may not be injuries today, but it may be a, might, might be a political way of Smith putting his mark on the team, maybe. Yeah, no, you know, if I'd been in charge, those were the two changes I'd have made to the Bolton game. You know, I'd have gone back and said, those are the two things that went wrong at Bolton. We would have won at Bolton if McCormack hadn't had too many loose passes and Swift had run back. You, you compare us and how we came up to how MK Dons are and you know, they've come up. We're, we're in a different league, technically, um, squad-wise, ability-wise. You know, they're, they're, they're on a struggle. And no stage last year did we look like we were on a struggle. And apart from, you know, a five or six-game period this year where things clearly weren't working, you know, the squad are coming into their own again. And now, now, we're, now we've got um, the right formation and, and players know what they need to do. Um, you know, we, we, we wiped the floor with MK Dons today and it was just brilliant, brilliant to watch, mate. Our worst performance of the season, by a mile. 
didn't want, didn't want to be there today at all. Well, you didn't want to be there. Well, no, I've, I've had a cracking away day. Met, met a nice fella. A couple of them actually in Brentford. Met our own fans who behaved appallingly today. Support your team. Stop bullying a man for a week. But hey ho, that's another matter. Um, yeah. I don't know. We were, we were poor. Offered nothing going forwards. And Brentford uh, should have had a few more than two. Well, there's no investment. We've, we've, we've abandoned what we played last year. We've, we, we've suddenly gone negative with two holding midfielders. Instead of playing, yes, we've lost Deli Alley, but we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't invested that money. We've, it's the same. We're, we've, we're playing with so negatively, and we haven't got that person who linked to Zach midfield at all. And Maynard looks isolated. He did his best work in a right-back position today. And it's, yeah, we need Will Grigg. We need, well, not all Benicophobe or someone. Just It was one of those sort of games where, um, without being overly complacent, um, I was actually thinking at half-time, we're going we're gonna to route this. We're going to route this 4-0, 5-0. Um, I thought all round, actually, I couldn't pick a bad player on our team. I thought everyone had a really good game. Um, the only place we were lacking was up front, just being a bit more clinical. But other than that, I think, you know, good start to the new gaffer's reign. Um, not much difference, I don't think, from um, Lee Carsley's time. But, do you know what, all around the pitch, uh, I thought Yanaris was the best I've seen him play today. I thought Woods was uh, assured. Um, but all in all, weird because I think we should have, should have hammered them, really. Even in the first half after the missed chances, I think there was a bit of a worry that, you know, we had a chance with a goal difference. If we won three or four, we, you know, that we could have maybe pushed ourselves up into the playoffs. We're only a point off it. But, you know, I thought they wanted to play good football. We just were just a lot better than them and, and a lot of confidence. I, I thought Tarkowski played brilliantly today, and I don't know if that is Dean letting him off the leash. But he commanded that back line, and we had we had a spine of Tarkowski, Woods, Diagoraga, and Judge all ready to take the extra touch and take an extra couple of seconds on the ball. And it was it was a totally different team and a totally different way of playing compared to Bolton. Uh, probably the worst thing I've seen at Griffin Park since Brentford played Oxford, actually. Uh, they were not up for it, probably off. The Dons. Really encouraging. We created loads of chances. Very encouraging. Uh, not taken too many. Should have been 5-6-0. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, we're very, very satisfying. We're set up very nicely for next week. So that was what the fans had to say after the MK Dons game. Uh, it was, I mean, this is just like one-way traffic, this one. There was no sort of kind of left and right. You know, it's sort of like the unanimous vote, like, you know what I'm saying, that you, that, that you get in the House of Parliament and actually don't get in the House of Parliament, actually. Do you, do you Nick? I mean, you don't have to advise us on that one. But um, it was completely and utterly unanimous exactly what happened on Saturday, Laney. Yeah, I, I, I said it after the game. I, I don't think I can remember a more one-sided game where we expected more from the opposition. Blackpool was a good analogy last season, but I don't think we expected anything from Blackpool. Old Blackpool, who were, you know, completely and utterly down on the, you know, on their downers. So, um, you know, whatever happened that night, which was only four, um, you know, that didn't really come as a surprise. I expected more from MK. And, um, you know, they, they look a doomed team to me. And, and, and I have to say, it wasn't just because they were awful. We looked very good. And um, although you said what Dean Smith said in the dressing room, I think he said it in a more brummy accent. You, you sounded very cockney in your, in your paraphrasing of our new manager. 
It's a little bit more Bramley now. Milton Keynes were the worst team that have been down to Griffin Park for the last two years, I reckon. And I was quite surprised because I thought Carl Robinson... Actually, I said it in the podcast last week, Carl Robinson produces teams that can play decent football. Um, there was no evidence of that on Saturday at all, uh, in conditions that would, that would have demanded um, playing decent football on the ground. Milton Keynes couldn't turn it on. And so, actually, I have to say, it was the most boring 2-0 victory I've seen for Brentford in years. I've got to say, but you, you know, you, you're right. But they, 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 weren't, they didn't do anything. So they, they didn't even come and shut up shop. They came and did, like, literally bugger all. They didn't come and park the bus like some did. They just come and didn't play very well. I, I actually thought in the first half that it was the wind that was causing them problems and they just couldn't cope with the wind um, <clears throat> because they were playing against the wind in the first half and I kind of thought maybe the balance was a little bit uneven because we had the wind behind us but um, five minutes in the second half it just appeared they were awful I mean awful awful um, yeah it was they were they, they had nothing um, it was a bit like watching probably not Blackpool but probably Wigan at the end of last season um, or Huddersfield at the end of possibly to the middle of last season, um, where they came and they, they really had nothing. Um, we, the way we play, it's an open game. Quite often, that's why we have a lot of goals scored against us, but they have nothing, nothing um, attacking. Did you, did you ever have that feeling, though, that when we were 1-0 up and we were 60 minutes in and we hit the bar, we hit the post, we hit the bar again, that actually this might end up being one off? No. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Just, I mean, that's... that's after 18-odd games of seeing us concede a lot of goals from strong situations, yeah? I never, I, never got, I never got that feeling at all. I mean, I don't think they had any threat, any goal-scoring threat at all. I, I, I actually thought that there was potential for that. I thought I was going to have to, you'll, you'll know this, I thought I was going to have to dig out the old David Lloyd re-flipping murder <laughs> after that time. That was just the Brentford, in it, gene. Yeah, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it is the gene, but, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, they were just average, you know. I, I, I don't know what I don't know what they came to well, try and achieve. Apparently, apparently Rob, Robson did, Robinson did keep them in the dressing room for half an hour or so after the game, did he not to give them the right the middle keys to give them the right quality. They they deserved it on that one. And if, um, you know the the the. the, the very few Milton Keynes supporters that there are will be pretty disappointed if they carry on in this way. I'm not sure that's actually the real reason. I think they're a bit scared to come out of the Premier League four quarters. I think they've been buying glasses of champagne rather than throwing bowls at them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they just, the they like just looked completely and utterly out of their depth. And, you know, I don't think we've looked that. We've had, obviously, we've had sticky patches and we've had games where, you know, we've, we've looked bad. But we, I think they couldn't compete. There was, there was nothing positive at all in any department. I, yeah, that, that's because I would call them faceless in that, you know, when you, when you watch teams, you normally pick at least one player and you think, you know, he can play a bit or they, there was nothing there. They're the their local MK... Um, News, little kids newspaper actually called and this is quite bad when your local newspaper actually flags it up and it called the performance an embarrassment which I think is quite quite hardcore considering the fact that they only actually just been 2-0 so if you look at it people just seen 2-0 they thought oh that's not too bad but the fact is that they actually flagged up they thought it was an embarrassment oh, maybe, that's a, maybe it's a brilliant new club motto let's go back to just embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> we'll see it on the Derby show will we um Going back to what Allard said, I thought there was actually one player that wasn't too bad. 
I was very surprised, very, very surprised to listen to the um, podcast after the match to find that he was a right back. That was Maynard. Right, okay. Because he spent most of the, a lot, well, quite a lot of the first half um, attacking. He spent a lot of time in our box. I'll tell you what really surprised me is when I looked at the stats after the game, the BBC had 50 50 for possession. And I just looked at it again now, and they still got 50. What they changed it by one percent. They've had a one percent swing. B's 51 percent. Milton Keynes 49 percent. Yeah, but that's why his possession stats are absolutely rubbish. Because actually, Milton Keynes did have a lot of possession. Don't change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Maybe, it's maybe it's the same department that did all the pre-election stats. Did you really? Did you feel <laughs> they had 49 Please notice that I use the word possession stats. Are the wrong. Uh, possession is the key word here. It's nine-tenths of the law, apparently. I yeah. think you've forgotten about last season and you've forgotten what 60% possession actually looks like. Exactly. Thank you. Possession's yeah. no good if you don't score goals, though, mate, is it? <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm going to ask a question now, and we asked this before, like, you know, I mean, Smithy's coming. Smithy, can I call him Smithy, do you think? No. Smudger. 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 He's London. Smudger. Smithy, Smithy sounds... Smudger is the London. Smudger is the London. He is the governor, apparently, as well. I don't know if you saw his school. He's apparently the governor of the school. They tweeted him going, oh, our governor just won his first match, so... You know, so he really is a governor. He really is a governor. He's yeah. the governor. Yeah, so he's Dean Smith is the governor. Um, but listen, um, I'm just wondering whether or not you're two days in charge, but is it Smith? Or is it still the Carsley effect? Or is, you know, did he did he actually do anything, Smithy, or did he just not take the glory? I, know, I think I think he did something. I think he, I think the I think the players obviously trust him and, and and they went out and they played for him. And I think I think you're halfway there. Uh, I, I don't think he changed anything fundamentally, but he, he just he obviously told them to go out and express themselves, and they had enough belief in him to go and do that. So in in terms of transition, it was it was completely seamless, and, and that bodes really well. That they're, 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 they're not going who the hell is this guy? They obviously just want to go out and play football for him. So you know I I, I, can, I can't see any reason then to to say it's a positive move. And Saturday was. A very positive day. Great game, great look for the bees, great little build up for the Fulham game on Saturday. But we're going to have a little chat again. We talk about him every week, but that's because he's new and he's fresh and, and, and he's doing things and hopefully will lead us to the promised land about our new manager, the governor, Dean Smith. So we're back in manager land and hey ho. A surprise today, Gary Monk, the Swansea manager, sacked today. Happy Christmas. Yeah, cheers. Turkey and beer for you, monkey. And a very nice monkey. 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 Friendly with these managers. First names are the pet name terms. So monkey's been sacked, as been expected, and Swansea are in limbo at the moment now. Interestingly, because obviously... Jerry Monk's second in command, Pep Fote, was linked with the Brevet job, and that ended up not happening for whatever reason. And now we've got Indeed Smith, who we're going to talk about at the moment, now that he had a great start. But I mean, Gary Monk, I mean, plainly, your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I did say, I did hint at this a couple of weeks back, where I kind of said that Lee Carsley's decision to, you know, insist on its last, you know, it's his last game, it really made the club. Um, make a decision on this next manager and if he could have held out for a couple of more weeks or to the end of the year he might possibly have given the club another option so it may have been Monk and, and the clock 
um, as, a, as a partnership, or um, Dean Smith may have got the job, you know, in his own right. And I'm not to say what is right and what's wrong, but I think you know, possibly Lee Carson's decision to you know want to you know hang his you know hang his coach's coat up and and you know that that may have cost us make it you know another option at least. Yeah, and if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. I mean, you can argue this all forever long. Who Monk might have stayed at Swansea? I mean, I think the grass isn't always greener, and you or know, never greener. <laughs> the grass isn't always greener, and I think Swansea are going to regret sacking Monk. And it's disappointing to see another good young English manager sacked from the Premier League. And hopefully, Swansea might do the decent thing and employ another English manager rather than some foreign manager into the Premier League. Um, but at the time, Why? Brentford had to make. Why? Why? Because I think there is a case that the Premier League is getting absolutely too money-driven and we're searching for the big names of the big foreign managers. And, and some, Swansea has always struck me as a well-run, decent club. It's the type of club that I think you know Matthew Benham and others at Brentford have taken a look at and said, yeah, we want to be like them, you know, a solid, well-run, they've got a good academy, they've got a good fan base... They know what they're trying to do down there in South Wales, and I think they ought to be encouraged, and they ought to be encouraged to, to bring on talent, and that includes talent amongst English managers. It's not. It's not. This isn't an English versus continental thing. It's about encouraging young. It's about encouraging young English managers to offer them a chance, and it might be. That in five years' time, Dean Smith, having taken us up into the Premiership, thinks, oh, "I've had enough of Brentford. Thank you very much. I'll go. I'll go to, to manage Swansea, who might still be in the Premiership." But it's encouraging. It's encouraging. So, do you think that Brentford did the wrong thing in employing Mariners Darkhausen because he was Dutch, and also looking at Pep Clote because he was um, from abroad as well? And do you think that you know? Confidence. From the continent, yeah. Do, do, do you think you know, is it about the, what they do, their style, their style of football? No, or is it... no, 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 no. I mean, it's not. It's again, it's not an us and them thing. But what I would, but what I would point out is the Premiership is becoming full of continental managers, and there are some decent English managers out there. And it's interesting that somebody like Gary Neville feels that he has to go to Valencia to prove himself. I'm not changing my argument here in this way, but I'm just saying that you know there are there are clubs that ought to be fostering local talent, and Swansea is one of them. There's a whole load of things to cover there. Um, well, Welsh team well, the first, fostering English talent. The first, <laughs> the first, I think the first thing to look at is. Um, is, you know, there was the Gary Monk, uh, Pep Clotte, and I think even uh, James Beattie, you know, all, all three of them were there. Um, I wonder, I am wondering whether it's just Monk out, a new head coach in, or a new manager in, um, a la the way Southampton have done it, or whether the whole, you know, the whole coaching staff go and somebody comes in with a new coaching staff. In terms of sort of continuity, um, I would, I, I would think the way Southampton have done things makes some sense and they would just bring another manager in to work with Cotto um, and therefore would they both have been available who knows to us Monk himself I I, I think it's quite hard to judge because I think he took over a, you know, a, a Premier League club 
he, he had a good first period and, and then he's struggled recently. And again, I don't really know how much of the good stuff is Monk. And, uh, you know, I, I know when you watch them play, they play very much like a Spanish team. Whether that's from Monk, whether that's from Clote, I, I don't know. It's difficult to say. So I, I don't know if, he's, if he would have automatically been the perfect fit. Young English managers, or English managers, um, I do think I know who, should, who would be the perfect fit for Swansea now, um, and that would be Mark Warburton. And it's interesting, uh, Warburton, and you know, we're talking about Warburton, we're going to bring it back to Smith now. Smith has come in, cut the managers, caretaker manager, you know, Dykehouse manager, and then Smith's come in now. And as we've talked about Smith, the, the, the safe, safer option, or is he the safer option? Um, have we changed? No, I'm just say fur option. Then you know, maybe picking somebody that we don't quite know, knows the league, so on and so forth. You know, it might work out brilliantly, but I'm just saying it's a safe fur option. It might be the right option. It's not necessarily... Well, you could see it as a safe option, but I think it's generally an okay option because he has got a track record of playing very good quality attacking football on a very low budget. Now we've. We were promoted from, from League One, Dean Smith in the same league, playing good football, they were playing good football. The difference is we happened to pick up a few good players through, through links with other clubs. They didn't. Um, well, they had Lalkovic, um, but um, you, can bring, you can bring that same brand of attack, very good quality attacking football to us with a slightly bigger budget. Obviously we're not a massive budget, but it's a good, it's an okay budget. And using the, the expertise of the rest of the club to, to pick out those undervalued players, which is the way we're going to do things from now, I think you could do very, very well. I think it's the least bite in the arse, potentially, decision. I think it's a very clever decision. I think there's a lot of fans, when, when, when the shit was hitting the fan, um, a few months ago when the Mariners were still around I think there was a lot of people screaming out for we want it to be English we want a real English manager um, and I, I think that kind of not they haven't done it to appease them don't get me wrong I, I think you know they're very confident the, the owners of the club and, and the direction it's going but I think um, in terms of appointing Clote then I'm, I'm not sure I think it's a, you know there's, there's a certain amount of buy-in to that as well I think having having um, having uh, Smith as, as our gaffer now I, I, I think I think it steadies the ship on a number of levels and you know I, I, I wish him well I think it, I think it's I think it will work I think he he's got the right football philosophy I think he's got the players to just do a brilliant job there it, it, it's an, it's a no-brainer for him so all, all I can say is what other coach or what other manager could do anything any different or better than what happened on, on Saturday? You know, what if, if Clote was there or if Brimming um, Jurgen Klopp was there, what, what more could they have done than, than get a team to go out? And the, the job is the job is is, is probably 75% done. You know, we've got a very, very good squad there. Yes, we need probably a tighter defence that wasn't tested at all on Saturday, and we absolutely need more attacking options and we need another striker. But what more would Clote have done? What more would Smith have done? You know, 
that was almost the best possible performance we could have expected. Okay, and, and you know, we're going back to Smith now. And I think the reason why I'm sort of bringing this up is that we're saying, in effect, that Smith is our manager. Um, he's our manager who's just moving forward. He's at the, he the great start. He's adopted a team, which he's turned around and he's the team really great, but managers always like to hey, put this stamp on the side and also he's going to have a look at this team and say, look, this is what I need to do the job. I'm, is it one point of the playoffs at the moment now? Right, we're, 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 we're the slipping distance of the playoffs considering we had such a steep start to the season. We're slipping distance of the playoffs, you know. To be quite honest, we probably have to go on another couple of runs like we had before to actually kind of firmly establish ourselves in the promotion frame. But that's not impossible because we've done it, you know, off the back of a half injured side and a, and a temporary manager. So Smith thinks, well, tell you something, we've done it before, I could do it again, this is what I need. So we're going to look forward to think, in the next couple of months, what is Smith going to do to just the side to actually take it to that next level? Anyone got any ideas? I would like to see him um, look for, I mean, Dave mentioned it, it's, it's attacking, it's attackers we need. Um, forwards who can score goals and they, you know <coughs> but the problem is there are actually 92 football, football league clubs searching for attackers who can score goals and that's somewhere where some, Smith with his experience at Walsall might know a few that could be knocking around in the lower league so, got to come back. well, yeah, but is he gonna, when's he going to come back? Do we know? It's just cool after Christmas. Yeah, so I mean, you need you need to get somebody, but but even then, you need somebody to back up for Jurisson because knowing our luck, Jurisson comes back and Bebe gets injured or whatever. So you need a goal scorer. I think we're doing okay with the current squad. Um, I think the thing that we're actually lacking is motivation for the players. We need a manager that can really get them excited and geared up to actually go out and get three points and also just a little improvement in the quality of the football that we're playing because right now we are not playing, we're not passing um, as well, we're not attacking as well, we're not defending as well as we did last season and it's that slight improvement in quality that's only going to come through training and through coaching. Is that simply Pritchard? No. It's more, it's more no, than no, it's Pritchard. More, it's, it's more than Pritchard. It's definitely more than Pritchard. It's, it's in all the areas of the pitch, defensive and attacking, and obviously the link between the two. So, I mean, there's been a few rumours floating around. And, uh, when you become manager, you always ask where you came from. And uh, Smith, you know, he had a few players that his previous zone uh, was decent. Bradshaw, we said, with 30 goals in 58 games, but people are rumouring we might go on for him. But Romain Sawyer? You know, he's a player who's out there, very highly rated. One name that's been flying around a lot is this Manchester City, this George Evans as well, which is a striker who's saying that, you know, that they're after him. And also, um, there's an article out there in the Football Ledger, UK, which is about Dean Smith, which is quite an interesting article as well. And it's talking about Rico Henry, who very, very highly rated um, left-back from Walsall as well. And, you know, that bringing pressure for football. I mean, what guys? Got a great name. Rico. We could have Rico on the left and Nico on the right. Rico Henry sounds like a photocopy Hoover. Photocopy Hoover. But but sorry to go back to your point about the forward. This guy from Man City. Sorry, is he is he with He's a defender. Is he? I make this point more than once. Um, we scored 26 goals this season. 
Um, the team that scored the most goals in this league are Fulham, who have scored 31, who are, bit, who are the lowest in the league. So I, I, I'm not, I, I've never subscribed to you need a striker that scores goals. I just believe the team needs to score goals and they need to stop letting them in. And, and it's the best balance you can find for that. So I never go into this mode of we need a player that scores lots of goals. As, I, as I've said it before, um, Blackburn last year had two of the top four scorers in the league and they weren't anywhere near the playoffs. So it's, it's, it's about the team. So do Watford. I mean, it, and it's interesting, I mean, I mean Rico Henry, he's, he's highly rated. I mean, we'd like to get him on short. But the chance of getting him, I think, are pretty zero. I think he looks like he's going to probably go friendly, straight friendly to the team. But we don't need a replacement for Bidwell. Not a replacement. You need, you need competition. There's no competition. I think, I think we've, I think we've said for like consistently for about probably two years. But there is no competition for Bidwell. If he gets injured. There's, there's, there's nothing really we can. We, there is no option. Leonardus. Yeah, but and then then McCormack then goes back. back, to right back. back. But so yeah. you know. Well, well, well no, because you have Colin back. Colin, Colin, But you know, for, for, for a squad, for a squad as well resourced and well researched as ours, I think that's a kind of a little bit of a vulnerability on, on our on our left defence. Yeah, yeah I, you, you do have. You've got. So actually, you've got Inaris could play there. I suspect O'Connell could play there, and I wouldn't be surprised if Barbe could play there as well. It's crying out for where, an emergency luck. We, we certainly get an emergency luck. You know, you know and, and going on the striker front as well, it's interesting because we're talking about bringing another striker in, we need another striker, but the fact is, as we said it before, Jurison's coming back, and also Scott Open. No, Scott, well. no, Scott, Scott Hogan's out for the season. Scott Hogan is on his way back. He could be back around about February time. Yeah, you've heard it here first on the podcast. But you, you, we, we say we need more attackers. Do we need more false number nines or more false number tens? Because this falseness is, is another bone of protection. Because I, I noticed that the, the, the goal, our opening goal on Saturday, was um, a great, great ball out from our false number 18 <laughs> to our real number three. <laughs> And then was headed in by our, our force number twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done. It's done the money, and and actually, the, the the people who command the premiums are the forwards. And if you're talking about spending money on a left back rather than on a forward, I would say pile all your money that you've got in on buy on buying or or loan that the wages that you're needing to pay for a forward on loan, and then leave the leave the defence to sort itself out. Because it will goals that get you up. We've been a think, little bit rude. I, think, I think I think we've got a solid enough defence and, oh, and, and enough oh. and enough and enough players and enough players to make sure that our defensive record will not be as poor as our attacking that, record might be. The thing is, that we, we actually we do score goals. We haven't scored as many goals as Fulham. And the fact is that if we didn't let in goals, then we would be scoring winning goals. So surely we start from the back and we short the defence. Yeah, we've let in 25 goals. Um, if you look at the other teams at the top of the table, who all scored similar goals to us. Uh, Brighton 16, Middlesbrough 12, 
Derby 11, Hull 13, Burnley 19, Cardiff 18. So that, that, so that comes so back to my... Be, we'd love you if you're not going to have to ask for Manchester United or anything like that. Just to help out the side and just be part of the team. But, um, I'll buy you a burger if you... George Evans as well is, is, is one which is, which is quite likely, I think, for us as well. Um, I think Bradshaw is probably very unlikely because we've got the strikers coming back. Like I said, Scott Hogan back in the new year. You know? Yeah, but Scott Hogan, he hasn't played for 18 months. I mean, you know, it's going to take him half a season to get back. Glass is permanent. Is it Henry or Henri? I think it's Henry. Henry. Rico and Henri. Um, just Vive was, I thought, had his best um, game as um, centre forward on Saturday. I thought he was excellent. He's, his work rate is has turned another, you know, has gone up a level. That he's he's now working. He's absolutely worked his bollocks off. And I have to say, another Vive moment from Saturday was him kicking the ball around with his two children after the game had finished in the Eden Road penalty area. And as a father or as a parent or as anyone that, you know, has got any emotions involved in children, to see him sharing that moment of amazement was, um, was, was brilliant. And, um, the raw, the raw yeah. from yeah, well, the terrace. I, I, I'd left the The raw from the terrace when, when his first kid scored the goal. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it was a terrible shot. And then the second one, and the second one, he had to actually swing his kid. He had to swing his boy at the ball. Like a golf to hit it. Like a golf club. But it was, it was, everyone was going mental. We left the ground and I could hear the cheers and I was trying to work out what, what on earth were those cheers for. You never guessed it, would you? Oh, no, not in a million years. So, look, listen, this is Dean Smith. Very happy. He's in the, he's in the, he's in the, he's in the driving seat, as we say, and, um, hopefully, Saturday, the good thing about it as well is that he's bound to, I mean, he's been involved in quite a few derbies, but, you know, all the teams he's played for and the teams he's managed, he's going to know about this. You're not going to have to explain to him, actually, this is a very big game, Mr. Smith. He's going to know exactly what this game is yeah, about. There's no cultural buy-in to this. So <laughs> he, he knows the... <laughs> There's, there's, there's grudge. Yes. Q- QPR is not a big game. This is a big game. This is a BG. Your cup final, is it? And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Fulham in a little bit, of course. But first of all, we're going to talk actually about our new stadium, Lionel Road. So looking forward to the success and where we might be in two or three years' time. Uh, as you all know, the club's looking at a new stadium in Lionel Road. We've been granted planning permission for that. There's a few things that have gone down, which have altered things, like the CPO, the compulsory purchase order. We're still waiting for that to happen. There may be other things in the background. In the meantime, the stadium committee have put out a survey to find out what Redford fans think and what they would exactly what they would like the stadium to have. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys done the survey at all? Yep, I have. It takes a while to do, so make sure you have half an hour spare to cover it. And it helps, of course, if you're 100% and being to most yeah, of the away stadium in the, you know, the, I, I agree. Did the championship it, last it year. It really probably only applies to... If, you, if you're a home season ticket holder, um, you know, I'm not saying this is a fault of the survey, but, but most, most of the questions re- relate to what you think of new stadiums. So, um, if you haven't been to any of the new stadiums, it's probably not 
like the Rico, like McAlpine, which isn't actually that new. Um, it was probably not called Rod- McAlpine anymore. Rod- Rod- Rotherham, Rod- um, Brighton. Re- um, yeah, Brighton, um, Reading, Cardiff. Uh, what, they, they didn't put Walsall in there, funny enough. <laughs> Walsall, yeah. Walsall was a glaring omission because of all the shit new stadiums, that is the shittest. But there are, there are some decent new stadiums around. I mean, you know, namely, uh, I think I, I like Rotherham because I think it, you can create an atmosphere with the crowd. They've got the they've got the roofing right at Rotherham, so that crowds that sing the acoustics, sing and acoustics. The Jeremy Kyle yeah, stand right. really does kick out some noise. Absolutely, <laughs> and I think in other you know, and clubs like Brighton have got the right approach to the way that they. Um, their, their catering and the beer that they sell and they've, got, they've got all that right Cardiff had the same I've got to ask you a question because that's interesting because you, know, you know you said um, you know you said right they've got the right attitude to the beer that they sell and the catering so you know you had couple of five pound pies and they sold the local ale I think they were seven pounds yes yeah, and the local ales and all like that and this is, the, this is the whole thing about football are we so badly treated that if, if, if somebody just does something really quite small, we feel so happy, we feel so happy, oh, oh my God, we've gone to Brighton, we've made a fortune for a stadium in the middle of nowhere, and it kind of looks all right, a bit dead, the atmosphere's a bit rubbish, and they, they, they put a real ale on so they yeah. just really like us. It's that's, like, a, it's really a, that's a brilliant point, is that you... You, you, you almost go into shock mode when you see a bit an ale that you might or a beer or, or craft beer shall we say although I think I've yet to see that um, that you actually would want to drink oh well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you're surrounded by breeze blocks and hipsters and hipsters beards it's uh, very uninspiring if all we want is to have a stadium that replicates the best away ends in the league. I have to say, you know, I did, I did find it slightly depressing doing the. You know, and it's not, I'm not knocking the reasons for doing the survey, but I did look along a lot. I look, I looked along the list of um, stadiums, and I'm thinking, really, I, I don't wish for any any of those for Brentford. And that's that's not to say you know we don't have to we don't we, we don't have to wish for a Rico Arena or we don't have to wish for a Huddersfield or wish for a Wigan you know our stadium is going to be ours and we have to make sure that it's not like any of the above and 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 I think that's going to be still going to be tricky. It's okay asking lots of questions, but it's if they're going to act on it. And and I think there were you know I I, I put safe standing as one of the absolute requirements for it but if they're not going to take that seriously you know I, I just think they need to encapsulate what Griffin Park is and, and replicate it um, we, you know you, you talk about atmosphere um, and how do you create a great atmosphere and to be honest there's a very simple solution to that and that's let people stand I, I, I don't think I really don't think it's any more complicated than that obviously you need a room um, but <laughs> and a winning team and, and, and hopefully a winning team, but, and a few but it is about letting people stand in some way or form. There are other, there are teams in the stadium that, to be quite honest, they have created atmospheres and their fans created atmosphere without having a winning team, right? Because what they do is that the ethos and everything like that around the club builds 
to let the people and the fans go there, and they create a, a, a raucous atmosphere. Like who? Uh, like the West negative, West the negative Leeds atmosphere. Well, I'm saying West Ham, but I mean, West Ham are winning nothing all the time. You know what I'm saying? They used to go West Ham and they were jumping up and down. Will so, they do it next year at their new, new oh, stadium? That's an interesting one as well. I mean, they're, also, they're, they're, they're very pleased to move into this very large stadium. I, but, you know, there's a difference in dynamic. Different people coming in. We know that scenario. You try so hard to build a new stadium. Look at Fulham, which we'll talk about in a minute. Fulham tried so hard to build their stadium. They started to bring in transients, as I call it, rather than sort of kind of building on their fan base. So what you did is that you lost certain atmosphere in the, in, in the club, and, 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 and it doesn't work for the people around you. And I think that... Coming back to what you're saying, Andy, the interesting thing about that is that we sit around, we try not to be old fogeyish about our stadium, but we love our stadium. We know there's a lot of thoughts about it, but there's also a lot of good things about it, because when fans come and they, they talk about our stadium, there's lots of things that away fans talk about that they like about the stadium, despite being ramshackle. Also, away teams, when they come down there, they say, oh, oh, Brentford, oh, you've got to be careful down there, it's really close to the pitch, atmosphere, and all these things, which you don't necessarily get in other places. So what we're almost saying is that we kind of want to sort of recreate Griffin Park, maybe in a slightly modern way, but still recreate the, these really important elements of Griffin Park. I still think there's a sizable amount of Brentford fans that still aren't sold on moving from Griffin Park. And I think, and I think, yeah, no, you can. And, uh, but, and, and, and you're going to make a really good point, and I know what you're going to say, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm right on the edge of both arguments, but if we never, ever moved, I'd be really happy. And that, that's, not, that's, not having no, that's not me having no ambition for Brentford Football Club. Griffin Park is so special... Do we really want to go? Do we really want to go? Nick? I think we have to decide whether we actually want to uh, go forward as a football club. Uh, because I'm just... I cannot see how Griffin Park could be adapted to accommodate Premiership football. All the requirements, all the necessary TV points, the media, demands of the media, demands of... Uh, of Way fans, home fans, the expectation around it. I really, really would love to stay at Griffin Park and see it as a Premiership ground, but I just don't see how how that would happen. Well, we're going to build line on road. My, my, well, my, you say that you know away fans love going to Griffin Park. Imagine you were away. You know, you Dave travel to most of the away games like I do. Imagine if every week we knew that we were going to a stadium that we offered the facilities that the away fans have. Um, I think we might get pretty peed off. We would have, you know, we would be arguing that we only had 1,800 tickets maximum. We would argue that we had restricted views whether we were, if we, if we wanted to stand. I think, I think all that sort of stuff would wear. We couldn't get a drink. We couldn't get any food Actually, or anything because the away fans. I think that would wear off pretty quickly. I've got to say, well, I know we've got a lot of F word, Fulham, you know. Bravado and a, a lot of Fulhamization, a lot of you know banter going on. But Fulham probably are maybe in the best position out of anyone. Who that, you know, I know they've had their troubles in the past, and you know it was almost bulldozed, and it was you know Fulham were going to build in flats in the cottage and all that. But they have got a 21st, 22nd century stadium that is, is, that is never going to move. 
and it's, it's big enough for all their wishes and all their ambitions and it's their traditional home with its beautiful Victorian cottage and it's and, and, and it's and it, you know it's a facade it's all grade one and grade two listed buildings you know that's the, they, they've got the best possible scenario where they've been allowed to develop both ends of the ground but they've still got their home and I wish we could have something like that if we if we could buy back the flats on the which was the Royal Oak and the Brook Road end, if we could buy all that back, all those shitty flats, buy them back, you know, if, if we could if we could achieve some sort of future with some sort of past, that's the best that's the best hybrid of ideas. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, I think saying the I think the one of the best things is that it's tight and it's intimate when you're in the stadium. But the worst thing, and the thing that makes it bad for modern football, is there's no space. There is no space outside of the stand. There's no space outside of the stand. What do you need space for? Um, you need space to sell pies, maybe. You need, you need space to sell drinks. You need, but I, said, I think you need somewhere for, for people to go at, at, at I, a picnic. <laughs> I, I think. I think it's. Uh, I think the point is. I think the point is correctly made. I think maybe the reasons for it. But what you do need space for is, you, is unfortunately, in the modern football, you need space for the press. You need, you know, you need space for parking. mainly for hospitality. Parking. Um, you need space for parking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive expert on so the, the on the requirements. That don't real yeah, 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 yeah. Fans. But, but they are the requirements to play in the Premier League. So you might get away with one or two seasons if you have a future. Plan, I don't know if you get away with it long term. I'm, I'm, I'm just being realistic. It's not. I would love to stay Griffin Park too. I'd love to buy the rest of the houses on the two. new road. And buy the rest of the house, buy those houses on the new road that back onto that, so we could at least have some, you know, some some half decent facilities. And, and, and I'd love to do it. I've reached the time. It's just, it's, yeah. I've reached the time of life where where having had a couple or more pints pre-match. I can't actually last 90 minutes, po- and you know, I would 45. like 45, <laughs> well I can't last, definitely can't last 90 minutes. We just need a cross to be back. I would like... <laughs> you don't need a new stadium, you just need, a, you need, you just need some sort of cafeter. <laughs> we all need that. So, so, so Matthew Benham, if you're listening, if you supply Nick Carty with a cafeter, that, that'll be alright, we don't need to move. Yeah. Well, Save yourself 100 mil. Do you know what though? It really does. It really does show how how we are. You know, we, we all want to look forward, but we're all really nervous and yeah. petrified. Petrified. I'd say. Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm it, close to being because petrified because, because it is my match. It's my that is my, my whole match day experience is going to change, and I am scared of it. So and if it goes wrong, to be honest with you, you could actually end up just not going at all. Yeah, I think I think that's a serious issue. Yeah. Where if you if you stop going to the place that you love going to, and for, for particular reasons. Yeah, and and and, and Griffin Park is is, is like seventy five percent. You know, so my, uh, no, maybe not seventy five. Sixty percent of the reason I go is the is the is the um experience. So it's obviously my friends, and there's obviously like the the familiarity, and the, I've always I've always gone to Brentford. I don't. 
I don't want to, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be excited to go to the Britannia or I wouldn't be well, I'm saying MK if, if, if I had to if I had to go to MK Dons every week like that I, I have to admit I wouldn't go yeah but, that, but that's because you're not an MK no, Dons fan no, 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 if you no, are a Brentford fan I wouldn't go to Reading I would not go to Reading that experience going to MK those idiots don't know any different you know what I'm saying it's not the people it's just that experience going to that stadium and turning up like that and everything about that MK experience, that daily, that weekly experience that you've got to go through, I, I, I could not stand. No, it's cold in his terrible. Phil, you are, you are a born and bred, die-hard Brentford fan. Yes. You, you know, you might get, watch other games during the week, but they mean yeah. nothing to you. You might listen, watch, listen, you, you might even listen, go to listen, other, listen, listen, no, no, no. Can, no, 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 no. I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong because if you took something like Dulwich Hamlet, I'd say I'd do that because the experience around that, I I, I, I enjoy that. I wouldn't even say QPR, but some people would say actually maybe you might do that or you might not do. But I could say categorically, if I was given MK Stadium everything around that, I would say to something I don't enjoy doing that. When it came to a Saturday, when now I fight for my Saturdays to go out, I actually might make a decision saying I'm not because I don't don't enjoy it. There's other teams that I probably would do, you know, Derby, even. The thing is, with Derby, we went out there and I thought, okay, this is cool, I understand that, that worked for me. Nottingham Forest, you kind of understand that, but there are certain places where it is just yeah, bad. Again, Forest is their traditional stadium, yeah. and then there's maybe we need, well, we are on the river, maybe we need a riverside, more riverside stadium, but we, there are stadiums, there, there are stadiums that have been able to evolve. Um, and, yeah. and is, is Griffin Park one of those that can? Um, or is it? Do we have to move? And is that? Do we have to move? Do we, Bill? Do we have to? Again, this is, the question is that if you look at the economics of football, yes, bigger stadium, more money coming in, corporate hospitality, all that kind of stuff. That all goes into the mix. The, the, the strange thing about this whole football experience, though, is that with the Premier League becoming so disgustingly full of money, right? Right? No, but I'm just saying the money that comes into the Premier League is ridiculous. Right? And, and I know it's a fact is that this is a, a, a football sports federation fact that they say is that to be quite honest with you the amount of extra money that they got from last year to this year in the Premier League an extra £2 billion pounds, football clubs can actually afford to let in fans free so gate receipts aren't important really relatively, relatively small as important as everything else in, in. so you can have you can have a, you can have a 20,000 seat or a 50,000 seat and yes there's a difference in income but in comparison to the money coming in from TV it's little and that's why clubs can actually afford to reduce their prices they just choose not to but that's a different issue altogether but it and yes based on facilities there, there are facilities you have to have um, to play in the Premier League and and unfortunately because I, I want to stay at Griffin Park I'd love to watch football for the rest of my I've got you know I've got a season ticket Sit in the same seat. I, I'd yeah, love to. For the first half or the second half. <laughs> <laughs> that's another. That's another. That's another question altogether. You and your second half season. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's actually about the facilities. Unfortunately, um, I, I suspect even the away dressing room doesn't. So I've got to say again. So all the reasons, for most of the reasons, we have to move off of factors that don't impinge no, on us, home and away. Okay. They're, they're the reasons we have to move. Possibly, and I'm, I might be a bit wrong, but they're the reasons we have to move. Possibly, if we want to, if you want to sustain a period in the Premier League. Perhaps I ought to get a refund on part of my season ticket in the time I spent queuing for the loo that I can't see the game. <laughs> but if we're going down this route, 
we need, therefore, as Brentford, to get promoted to the Premier League either this season or next season. Because I tell you, within 18 months, the Premiership will be a pretty much a closed shop. Because you'll get, you know, how many teams are there in the Premiership now? 20? 20. 20. OK, you'll have the 20 teams in the Premiership plus the, plus the 22, plus the other... Three, yeah, two or yeah. three that go up and down, so and it will be, the irony. Be, be, no, no, no. Let me finish. There'll be about twenty-five clubs that are that could be Premiership clubs. They'll have all the money because of all the parachute payments, oh. etc. And there'll be it'll be a them and us situation, but, and that's when Griffin Park, you know, starts. But to, don't Bolton and Wigan give you hope? No.
I think as an away fan, I want to be behind the goal. Yeah, is that a cop out? Is that a cop out? Yeah, I'll stay Um, Behind the goal. Behind the goal. I'm behind the goal as well. Now, behind the goal all the way. Well, what I can gather is the away fans are going to be on the side, um, which means that you've got two home ends. Normally, when you get two home ends, if I remember rightly, you've got sort of one sort of lively home end and one sort of lively with people who are eating sandwiches. And it looks a bit rubbish and it feels a bit rubbish. There, there are some places it works. Derby. Derby. Yeah. Derby. 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 Palace, it works. I'm, I, I'm convinced there's a scam with the away fans on the side of the pitch because Agreed. I think it's to do with the ticket prices and the fact you Whoa. can charge side of the pitch prices um, for the away fans rather than behind the goal prices when you can, when you um, grandstand yeah, exactly. prices. Yeah, so you, you force the away fans who are going to come to the game anyway to pay grace grandstand prices. So, so it was a football supporter behind the goal. Let's presume that Brentford aren't going to do that because Brentford are all about about you know fair pricing for the support from what we know and this is what, what Matt Bennett's going for. So let's just say that they're doing this more for a an oppositional and for, for the away the away fan not getting an advantage. Okay, so let's presume that. So it's about the away fan not getting an advantage and taking over the stadium with their three or four thousand fans and actually creating a noise. Now we want atmosphere. Well, listen, the other thing is that the argument is that but so, it, so thought, all of those all those stadiums that I answer questions on the ones that I love the most were the ones that were uh, were the most like vociferous, the ones where you went to and weren't, weren't a, like a bowl. Robin. Right, yeah, right, yeah, they put effort into it, but it looks bit bigger from the outside than it does on the inside. And yeah, okay, fair enough. I think Rotherham have done a, a, as, as good a job as is possible to do. It's still all right. It's still all right. But how, no, yeah, but Bill, the, the, main, the main criteria is how does it age? What does it look like in 30 years' time? Griffin Park may not be... It may be not a lot of things, but what it is, is a beautiful, proud old stadium. None of those, none of those grounds that are on that survey are any of those things. They are just concrete, prefab, nonsense grounds on retail parks with a bit of parking and maybe a bit of a ferry bus action and a McDonald's and a KFC and a subway. Brilliant. Well done. If I want to do that, I'll go to Staines or I'll go to Ealing. You know, we don't need any more retail parks. We want traditional football stadiums and enjoy our football. Big game Saturday, Fulham. We're going to be in their house, 5,000 plus Bees fans taking the place over. Fulham, new manager. Over at Wednesday, over at Northampton, over at Burnley, he's been all over the place and Fulham have pulled him in to try and sort a few things out. We've got no idea what's going on, so we thought we're going to go and talk to the man at Fulham, Mr Dan Crawford, from the Fulham Supporters Association, he's going to let us know what's going down in Fulham. So, big game on Saturday, looking forward to it. No boats down the river this year, I think Fulham are very happy about that because there was an absolute armada that sailed into Fulham docks last season and they couldn't handle it. These fans are coming by road, by rail, by car, by coach this time to Craven Cottage, going to take it over again. 5,000 these fans plus more will be there singing their hearts out. We're going to speak to the man who knows what's going on in the Fulham camp, Mr Dan Crawford. How you doing, mate? Very well, Billy. How are you? I'm oh, very well. I'm, my heart's tingling a little bit. I'm quite excited. How about you? I'm glad you're excited, Billy. Yeah, um, 
I wouldn't say the level of excitement from uh, from Fulham fans would be as high as as your boys. I think after last season's drubbing, we're a little bit apprehensive about it all. Um, and of course, there's a bit of a problem in that we don't know uh, who's given out the instructions to the players at the moment, or even if there are any. Um, so we're we're a little bit apprehensive about what's gonna gonna unfold on the pitch. Well, never, never fear, because Dean Smith is here, as he'll probably tell you on Saturday. But listen, Dan, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, it's been a, quite a few months, sort of five, six, seven months since we were last at Craven Cottage. And, and there's sort of information that us as Brentford fans need to know from you guys, which I'm hoping that you're going to give to us. Now, I'm here with the characters here. We've had a good little besotted podcast today, the Pride of West London podcast, of course, which... Um, you need to know about the pride of West London is here. And, um, but the boys around the table, we're all going to you know, we need to ask you a question about Fulham because you are the man in the know. So listen, we're going to go around the table there with the boys and find out what's going on. But the first one is me. I need to ask you, Dan, bees up, Fulham down. Is that correct? <laughs> well, it might be correct for another year, but um, we're hanging on in the... Uh... In, in the championship at the moment, look, I think it's great that, that Brentford have done so well and it's a return of a, of a rivalry that really um, we haven't seen enough of over the last, over the last uh, what, 10 years or so. I mean, I don't enjoy it as much as many. My first uh, Brentford game that I can remember was the um, 4-0 defeat at Griffith Park in 1992. I don't know if that's still the... the uh, best game in Brentford's history as it was voted some some years ago but it wasn't a happy memory for me. Um, it was wet that day but it was marvellous wasn't it? Oh, it was marvellous for you, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I, say, I didn't enjoy it quite as much. Um, it was uh, it was wet and very forgettable and of course you, you stuffed us last year so I'm hoping for better um, and I'm hoping we might even be, be singing come the end of it, you never know. We, should, we shall see, but listen, I'm going to pass you over to my left-hand side, Mr. Dave Laney Lane, and he's got a question for you as well. Hello, Dan, my, my West London cousin. Um, Hello, mate. Got a quick little question for you. You lost, you lost 3-0 Saturday. We, we won 2-0 Saturday. Why won't it be 4-1 to Brentford on Saturday? Why, 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 why won't it? <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, we'll certainly need to sort out the gaping holes in our, our in our central defence, um, and the, the 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 tinge of positivity I can put on it is we've got an entirely new uh, back five uh, to the one that faced you um, what seven months or so ago, and yes, a very generous back you know. Well, you know, you've got to try and... The, the idea, I think, was to try and tighten up on the, on the major weakness. Um, in theory, that's great. In practice, it hasn't really happened. Um, so we're hoping things might, might click into place. Um, and that's really what it is at the moment, hope. But I think, actually, we're quite good going forward, so we should hopefully give the Brentford defence a few, a few problems. Uh, um, and hopefully we've learnt from being far too open and kamikaze like we were arguably actually in both games last season. I don't, well, I wouldn't say you were kamikaze, I'd just say you weren't good enough. That's fair, I'm not going to argue with you. But Pun, Pun, Pun has got a, another question for you. I'm not going to hog this vitriol. <laughs> Hello, Dan. 
Hello, mate. So my question is, after the uh, atmosphere that the Brent fans had last year, how do you feel about Fulham selling 5,000 tickets to us? No, look, I'm, fi- I'm, I'm fine with it. A lot of people aren't. I think um, you look forward to a good atmosphere on a derby day. Um, and if you don't have a, a large away following, then it sort of sucks the life out of it a little bit. Um, I'm fine with that. It's very nice that you bring, you know, half of your home gate, if that, to, to come down a, to a proper ground and, and, and watch a decent <laughs> game for, for once in a while. You know, we're glad <laughs> to unite the long-lost Brentford family at, at Craven Cottage, and that's, that's excellent. So anything we can do to help is... Uh, it's lovely. Well, I'd say it uh, kind of helped us, uh, helped us get a win, so... Yeah, it did. We'll see how it goes on Saturday, you know, but um, I, I'm not as uptight about it as, as as many others. And, of course, if you had a slightly bigger stadium yourself, you'd have some slightly more away supporters. So when Lionel Road comes along, we'll be, we'll be very yeah. grateful to, to go down. Oh, no, I'm, I'm hearing very positive things about it, so... So hopefully that will that will happen and you'll get a, a nice ground for us to go and enjoy in future. All right, I'm going to pass you on now to Liberal Nick. He's got another question for you. Sure. Hello, Dan. Um, Hello, my, question, my question to you tonight is Stuart Gray, yes or no? Well, I mean, the, the question is really what, what, what is the point? Um, because if he's the new manager then most people would say no. If he's what this new title of senior coach, I mean, if you can explain that to me, I'd be grateful. Um, but if he's brought in to try and do what he did with Wednesday a little bit and tighten up the the, back, the defensive side of things under a new head coach or manager that comes in afterwards, then I think people would be happy with that. But the problem is, as I said to uh, Billy right at the beginning, we're not really sure who's giving out the instructions. It's been curvishly for a little bit, and then it was Peter Grant, and now it seems to be Stuart Gray, and you know, next week it might be somebody else, it might be me. Um, do, you think, do you think Stuart Gray will be with you, you know, after this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, 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 I'm not sure he'll be with us as the man who takes the team long term. Um, but it would seem fairly silly to me to bring somebody in as part of a coaching structure and jettison him. You know, um, we can only hope that he has the, the desired effect. But, you know, the search for a new manager has been um, long and tortuous and not at all impressive so far. Great. I'll pass you on to my colleague, Matt. Thanks for answering the question. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Hi, Matt. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, right, I think I'm, I'm last on, so here's my question for you. Um, I'm looking at the league table. You're 16th in the league, but you scored 31 goals. Um, what is going on with your defence? Oh, it's the, it, look, if I could answer that question, I'd be a genius. Um, it's quite obvious that there have been some shocking individual decisions uh, made by our defenders. Um, we've also played the wrong defenders quite a lot of the time. Um, on occasions they don't seem acquainted with each other or the offside rule or the concept of marking any opposition player um, there's also the generosity that we extend to the opposition at set pieces which reached baffling levels on, on Saturday the third goal uh, let, me, let me just say we played uh, Nottingham Forest on, 
on Saturday and the Nottingham Forest centre-half Matt Mills was denied a hat-trick by the crossbar in the last sort of three minutes of the game and I think that really sums it up. So, so um, basically you're saying that you're not very good at defending set-pieces? Uh, yeah, well, not very good at defending set-pieces, not particularly clever at defending an open play either. So, you know, bring your boots, lads, on Saturday, you might have some fun. Well, the good news is we're not particularly good at scoring from set pieces, so um, but you may give us our maybe you'll give us an op- a long-needed opportunity to score from a set piece. Um, you, I mean, it's astonishing really that you scored more goals than any other team in the league, and you're 16. Um, yes. So you must be doing something well up front. What, what's going well up front? Well, we're quite useful up front. Um, McCormack knows how to score goals in the, in this league. Um, we've got some, we've got quite a creative midfield going forward. We're probably a threat to, to most of the defences in the in the division. We play quite good football as well. We don't try and uh, lump it forward as much unless that's really necessary uh, late in a game. But what's the drawback? It's been you know keeping teams out at the other end. You know that's yeah. really where we've gone wrong. It's no, so, no revelation. So at the moment, you've scored more goals than anybody else. You've let in as many goals as any team in the league apart from one. Um, which side of those do you think you're going to end up on at the end of the season? Do you think you're going to end up more towards scoring most goals or do you think you're going to end up more towards letting most goals in? It could be both. I mean, that's the, that's the really bizarre thing. We look, we look frighteningly good going forward and at the back we're just frightening. Um, you know, so if I had to put money on it... I would hope that we would tighten things up at the back. But, you know, I'm not confident about that at all at the moment. Dan, good to speak to you. Let me hand you back to Bill. Thank you for the insight. Cheers, mate. Dan, so listen, round table there from the Besotted characters in the pub, the Besotted podcast. You've been an integral part of the Besotted podcast. What I would say to you, Dan, is also for the Fulham fans out there, just to let you know what is happening with us. Obviously, you know Dean Smith is coming as manager. We've got loads of injuries, but we've got players coming back now. Lasse Vibe, who stepped in for Durasin, is looking quite lively. Also, Harley Dean, you probably know from last season, he scored a yeah, goal. Yeah, Harley. Yeah. Yes, he scored the 94th minute. Of the, no, Otto scored the 94th minute. He scored, he scored the first goal against you guys. Just a little bit earlier, yeah. That's remember, right. Yeah. But he was, right. he's, unfortunately, he's out on Saturday as well. He's had a three-game ban for being set up a few weeks ago. But we've got suitable replacements. But... The way it is with Brentford at the moment now, we're, we're buzzing. Like I said, we've, won, well, we've lost one game in the eight or nine. So, like, we're coming into this game quite quite buzzing. Not quite the same as last season, because obviously last season we were, we were probably on the up and we haven't played it for 17 years. But still, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than last season. But my yeah. personal opinion is I still think that we might tip it. 1-0. you got a score prediction for us, Dan? Oh, there we go. I'll go for a 2 all bit here, if I may. So you're, you're confident that you boys will score a couple of goals but leak a few goals as well? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think we, we're good going forward, but we, you can't count on us to keep, keep a clean sheet at all. All right, OK. Well, listen, Saturday, I'm looking forward to it. You're sort of looking forward to it. At the end of the day, hopefully we might cross paths, have a couple of beers. We've talked about the police have told us exactly where we can go, where we can't go. We'll probably end up going nowhere they, they've told us to. Meet up for a couple of Swifties before the game and discuss your four goals, discuss my one goal and afterwards we can compare notes. Is that cool, Dan? Absolutely, mate. Look forward to it. Okay, wicked. Thanks for us. Talk to you. See you Saturday. See you, mate. Take care.
interesting chat there from Dan Crawford from Fulham. Looking forward to the match on Saturday as we are all. So lads, Saturday we have Fulham. And uh, it's probably as exciting as it was last season. Because I mean, I have to admit, I didn't think that we were going to sell five plus thousand tickets this time. Because I thought a lot of people would have had their share. They would have said... 4-1 against Fulham on their home patch. We're never going to do it again, so I'm just going to live with that in my memory bank. But no, people said, give me more, give me more, give me more. <laughs> they're buying up the, they're buying up the tickets. Is that what they told you? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what they've been emailing you all week? That's right, actually, just a private email. Just says, give me more, <laughs> give me more, give me more. Is this is what you're going to be singing in the singing section on Saturday? Listen, we'll talk about the singing section in a minute because unfortunately there's no singing section. Give me but more, Isaiah. You know, but look, Fulham on Saturday, I mean, I want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, you know, I want to say that, we'll come about the game in a minute, as Dan was talking about, um, but I just want to say, I'm sorry, I had a meeting with the police, with the bias. Informer! <laughs> so we had a meeting with the, with the old girl, we had the Fulham police, we had the Brentford police, we had the Fulham stadium officers and the CEO and all that this meeting, talking about the game, and uh, very, very interesting. The first thing I'll say is it's a good thing that the police and everybody is pulling fans in together, because we had a bit of a moan last season, we didn't know what's going on, we were sailing down the river, we didn't know what pub we could drink in, we had pubs were closing left, right and centre, Fulham fans didn't know where to drink in, bounces on the doors, all that kind of stuff, so the police said, tell me something, talk to us. So they pulled this meeting together, we talked to them, told them what our concerns were, to be fair, the police were all right, they were very open. I'm gonna, I've got to say it as it is though, Fulham, um, we, especially the, the stadium officer and people like that, I think that there's a thing about football fans which is, goes back to way back in the day when you treat people as criminals and I really could feel that a little bit where there was not much love lost between um, the Fulham Stadium people and football fans out there in general. And I, I just have to say this in, in itself because the things that we were told in that meeting, I thought to myself, oh, blimey, it's like, you know, I feel like we go into this sort of, you know, Alcatraz or something like that. Just to, just to give you a little note on exactly what's going down, um, police have told us that the threat level in the UK is as, as what it was before in Paris, so they're not so worried about security, they'll be secure, but it's, it's the same, so people don't need to worry about. They're going to have dogs out on the day, slipper dogs, so pyrotechnics, um, they said to be worried about that. They've also said you have to be careful if you carry drugs, the dogs will be slipping them out, so there's a fact there, you know. They, they mentioned the fact about being drunk while they're a sport arena. You know, they've got the right and reserve to close the bar at Fulham. And also they talked about this legislation in place to stop anybody coming within two miles of the ground if they felt like it. They thought that potentially might be involved in antisocial behaviour. Interesting thing here in Hammersmith and Fulham. So if you go over the public bridge, right, Hammersmith and Fulham is on the Fulham side. You actually get allowed to drink on the street, so you can't have a can or anything like that on the street. However, if you go on the bridge, halfway across the bridge, me, you can drink on the street. <laughs> I've got um, about 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 my par- about my paracetamols on the on the north side. I, I think the paracetamols might be okay, but I'm not sure. You might have to check with them as well. Um, they're just like last year. There will probably will there will probably be a cordon, which means that you can only come out of Stevenage Road and go south and go out as Brentford fans, whereas the Fulham fans will be at percent north. That will probably happen. Um, yeah, so that's the scenario as well. We were told that 
If you stand up in the arms, you'll be thrown out. If you do this, you'll be thrown out. If you stand in section, you'll be thrown out. What happens if you throw yourself out? They'll throw you out again. You know, they'll bring you back in. They'll throw you out. One, one point of seriousness, Bill. Who said at the no, meeting? This is serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, who said at the meeting that Southwest trains would have dry trains? Oh yeah, that's true as well. Um, um, it, is, it is the British Transport Police Day, Red Day. So basically, apparently, it's across the whole country. So it's actually a dry train day all over the country. Southwest trains were asked that question today and replied that they have no plans to make any any trains dry trains. Was that on the survey? No, no, no. <laughs> that was that was that was okay, well, via social media. So I mean, the, the misinformation that's going around this game. It's a big. It's a. It, it's our cup final. This game. It's a big game for us. No, it's not. <laughs> but the the, the 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 hype that Fulham put behind this only leaves. It's ridiculous. It is I'd because say, no, it is. It the, the way the way that Fulham treat this game, there's more likely to be trouble than no, if they no, just no, treated this as two friendly West London clubs coming together. I didn't realise this, but Fulham have got one of the highest rests out of all the football clubs as well. And actually, seeing the way that you know they spoke to the fans and everything like that, I'm very much not surprised because I mean, okay, I'll give you an example. We said, you know, we said we. You know, asked for a singing section last season. It was a singing section. And I said, no, no, no. I laughed. He said, no, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So it's a singing section. The singing section is there so that what we do is that you have people who want to sing, they're there together, and what we do is that they're together. So the people who want to maybe sit down and chill out, they're in a different area. So you don't have the two areas colliding with each other as well. Quiche clash, you know. So in effect, what, <laughs> what they've turned around and said is that people now said, this is out of order. If we get this going on, we're going to throw people out. And it's just like the, the, the whole attitude was completely. If, honestly, if you treat if you treat football fans as second-class citizens, football fans will behave as second-class citizens. And if bloody Fulham cannot understand that, they deserve no, everything no. they've got coming to them. No, no, yeah, let's kick it right off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Seriously though, do I need to shave my beard? Well, again, you know, let's not go into that. What I'll say is that it's just that I'm sure that they'll be fine because we've been to grounds up and down the country, we've seen the way that students treat people, how they treat people, but what I just felt from Fulham is that they felt that this was their manner and it's going to operate in the way that they want it to and without any without any knowledge or care of what football culture is about and it's almost like, well, you might do that somewhere else but you can't do this in here and if you do this in here then you will be reprimanded massively and I, and I just felt that was quite worrying really. it, it, it does sound like you've got wrong people in wrong jobs because um, you know if any if anyone knows Brentford fans and anyone knows the majority of Fulham fans you know they're just good West London people that just want to go to a football game and there's no you know there are there are Brentford fans and there are Fulham fans who I'm sure that are looking for trouble but they're, they're, it's not. It's not any of the ninety-nine percent of the people that I know. You know, most people that are just looking forward to going there and, and winning again. And, that, and that's all I care about. I mean, it's a really strange thing. There's places. There's seven thousand uh, fundamentals. Um, they, obviously, they couldn't put the two thousand neutrals in the end with the Brentford, so they've got five thousand fans in there. <laughs> so what we decided to do is that they decided they're going to cordon it off so that the five thousand fans are hemmed in. Five thousand, even though there's an extra two thousand seats. Now they are. 
argument we said is that with an extra 2,000 seats, even if you made a 1,000 of them, an extra that people can actually find their seat and find their friends and stand beside them, spread out a little bit. they won't have an issue. It would look great on awaydays.com, though. You know, because there'll be just like a line. You know, we'll be packed to the right line. It'll just be like... Like a Fulham kettle. But anyway... Listen, anyway, listen, all I was going to say is that people need to just kind of just, just mind yourself a little bit, I think, at Fulham. Go about doing your own thing. I'm hopeful that next year that they might actually rethink the strategy and how they look at fans. Just quickly, we've given the pubs to go to, the pubs not to go to, and I'll tell you that the Brentford pubs which have been designated are the King's Arms, the Temperance, the Eighth Bells and the Duke's Head. Just to let you know that the Rocket, which I know a lot of people went to last year, was actually closed, and the Star and Garth is not taking Brentford fans, and the Fulham pubs are the Crabtree, the Durrell Arms, the Lion, Golden Lion, the Zulu Bar, the Railway, and the Fox. So those are all Fulham fans. So if they've not been mentioned here, assume the pub is a neutral pub, which means that any fan can go to. But anyway, let's come into the game, boys. Um, Mr. Gray, first game in charge for Fulham. It's a sort of caretaker role. He's like a sort of Carsley for Fulham, isn't he? Dorian Gray or Fifty Shades of Grey is the is the answer. I I I, I well, you know, they, they it's a Lord it's a Lord appointment. He's a defensive coach. I, may, maybe he'll help them shut up shop. Um, you've got to look at the form book. Brentford um, are going into it in a in a good shape. Uh, Fulham are going into it in a and, and an average shape. Um, I, I just have to. I just have to think that we're going to go there. We, but I don't think we're going to win four-one again. I think it, if we. I think we're going to win two-nil. I think we're going to go to the cottage. We're going to have a very good day out again. Behave yourselves. Drink lots. Be vociferous. Be proud. Be Brentford. Celebrate a two-nil win. Um. Fulham this season, they're the highest goal scorers in the league with 31 goals. They've let in the second highest number of goals with 33. And they're averaging something like 3.4 goals a game. Um, does this suggest it'll be nil-nil? I don't know. I, I, I think... I, do you know what? I, 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 I have two nil written down um, to us. I think this is a... I think Gray is a defensive coach. I think he's about stopping other teams from winning. Um, I don't remember watching Brentford play an entertaining... Stuart Gray side. I don't know if anyone else. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday last season. Oh. Um, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that there's a, there's a massive opportunity here, and, um, and and we need to take it. Who? Question for you. Who was in charge of Fulham when they last beat us in the league? Five Walker. Is this the quiz? Um, no. Jimmy Mick, Hill. Mick Kevin Keegan and Ray Wilson in April 1998. So therefore, I reckon with our history, I reckon we'll probably be definitely on for a 2-1 victory on Saturday. I cannot continue my Kevin Keegan song for legal reasons. Fulham word word not particularly good last year. Um, Stuart Gray is the manager. It's not particularly exciting. doesn't do anything very well. I think they're there for the taking. As long as Dean Smith can, can get the squad ready and, and playing well enough. Dean Smith is yeah. not going to go defensive. He's definitely not going to go defensive, but uh, they do have some some threats. So, uh, but they're there for the taking. 
decent miss defensive. I think, I think midfield. I think yeah. Kirschbaum are forced number 17. Yeah. He's going to have a particularly good game on the bench. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so here we go. If McCormack's fit, if McCormack's fit, does he come in and play Definitely. alongside what number is he? Um, or do we hold? Do we keep Woods in there, which I feel is a more attacking option? No, I think McCormack comes in for Kirschbaum. So, so not, not, not because not because Kershbaum had a particularly bad game. Yeah. It's okay. His touch was a little bit off, but it's all right. But I think you just need that. I say I say Saturday's not a game. Puns. You are saying that Woods is one of the first names on the team sheet. Team sheet. Yeah. I'm not saying he's one of the first. But he'll Second. be on the team sheet. Or third. Button, our force number one, yeah. is going to be is going to be Button number one, and then Bidwell, Bidwell, real number three. Yeah. And do we start, of course, Potter? No, no. no. Saving for the last minute. No. Probably I think I, I think the same team as Saturday, but but if McCormack's fit, he comes yeah. in for Kirsch Campbell. That is a good shout. Which is the same team as Bolton, with a little bit. Is Swift going to be fit on Saturday? This is, yeah, this is being recorded on a Wednesday night. They said, people, he's, so. they said he's going to be back, whether or not he goes back to the side or whether he goes onto the bench or something. It's a question, isn't it? But Swift offers us another, oh, uh, Swift no, offers uh, another goal scoring option. I've got to say, Canos came all day long. Did he get injured? Canos. He was holding his hat. He went off with like a. Like a little strain. Yeah, but he looked like he was holding his hamstring. That's what worries me. I think I think that's just because that was the first time he's had to play to stop. But here's the good news. Unlike earlier in the season, we're actually discussing who. Also, not being funny, we're talking about really really positive decisions here. We're not talking about bringing defensive players. We're going like, how 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 posse do do we go? Yeah, exactly. Who can we squeeze in? How how crazy do we attack them? Like, just oh, go no, for we, it. we but, might not be able but, to start Canos, but just sh- sh- shall we? Shall we? Shall we just start Hotter? Maybe. Ooh, ooh, just what, what yeah. just, just, <laughs> just to bring down the, the, the just to bring the mood down a bit. We're missing Harley Dean. Yeah, you are. might yes, be, and you know Harley and Craig. And Craig, sorry, sorry, Craig, Harley, Craig, Harley, Craig, Harley, Craig David. <laughs> sorry, Tony Craig. Harley and Tarkovsky. Apparently, Terry Evans is not available on Saturday. <laughs> Harley, Harley Dean and James Kartowski have been a really good, solid centre back pair. Tony Craig. <laughs> the grass is never greener. O'Connell. Has been slightly dodgy in the last two times. That Tarkowski, but he clears I, up. I, I, just, I think Tarkowski, um, Tarkowski on the right is a mass, is, is an improvement that is worth it. Um, I, I think they're a reasonable combination. They may they may lack a little bit of pace, Tarkowski and O'Connell, but I think they're a natural partnership. So listen, Nick. I don't know if you gave us a score prediction, did you? You just, you just, you know, you pulled away from that bit, didn't you? No, I did. I gave you a score prediction. I may have glossed over it. I think it's going to be 2-1 Brentford. Um, I, I was with Laney. Laney said it first, but 2-0 Brentford. And you did a prediction as well? I'm going for a 3-0. I think we've got a lot of players to come on. Um, there'll be a lot of goals from subs, I think. And I'm going 3-0. 1-0 Brentford. We'll just get a goal and just jump shot. Boring, boring. 
I'll be happy with that, though. So listen, uh, good chat today, good drink, and thanks very much to the jugged hair. Not the jugged, not the jugged. The jugged hair. hair. Sorry, the jugged, but you can guess from the... Those, those of us who have some breeding within us will know that it's jugged hair. Well, you don't want to know about your breeding. <laughs> your breeding <Yeah>. habits. <laughs> your drugged hair. <laughs> So anyway, we're at the Jumped here in Victoria. Uh, lovely pub that takes care of us. Really lovely. Drinks me big all night. So as you can probably tell, this podcast has gone on and on because we're a little bit um, bored. <laughs> but listen, this is the pride of West London podcast. Check us on pride.west.london. Besotted uh, Brentford on YouTube and also besotted.com.uk. Um, we've got a few more posters left still. Maybe we've got one or two left, apparently. I'm not sure about that. You can subscribe to us Seven. all over the place. Six or seven, yeah. Subscribe to us all over the gaff. You can subscribe as well. You can also check out on uh, on Besotic about things we're doing. In fact, we've got uh, we will be coming next week from Cardiff. On the way back from Cardiff, we'll be coming back from Cardiff, and we'll be doing a podcast on the road. So we've got our portable studio on the bridge already set up. Uh, we're doing a, well, our first Welsh podcast. Continental, continental. Before that, we're going to Southwest London. There'll be a load of us going there, five and a half thousand bees. I know the Fulham people and the people that run the Fulham Stadium are not happy with us, but you'll just have to accept that we're going to come there and enjoy ourselves like we did last year. And all we can say about that is this is what you're going to hear on Saturday. All the Brentford fans going, Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.